And this morning we're focusing on our need for God. I'd like to start just by asking you, do you remember the first time you recognized your need for a doctor? I know some of you, maybe you've never been sick or never needed a doctor, but I recognized my need for a doctor pretty much all of middle school. I was just that kid who was kind of a klutz, and I broke a lot of bones, like so many bones, I kind of lost track of counting how many. I was trying to do it this morning, but I really did lose track. And every other month, it seemed like I came to school with a new broken bone. And I still remember when I was in seventh grade, and I was doing this drill at football practice, and I got my finger caught in one of my teammates' helmets, and the finger went like that way, sideways. And I went up to the coach, and I said, coaches, this doesn't look normal. And I was kind of in shock. And he goes, bite your mouthpiece, son. Wow, that was a lot of spit. I bite, bite your louse mouthpiece, son. So I bit my mouthpiece and then he just snapped it back in place really quick. And to be honest with you, I really need a doctor because when I do my fist right now, that's as far as my finger bends, okay? <laughs> you can try it another time. You know, and when my worst injury was when I was in ninth grade in Virginia, middle school was sixth to ninth grade. And when I was 15, I was playing basketball and I tried to block somebody's shot on a fast break and he stopped and pump faked right in front of me and I flipped over his back and hit my elbow. And I still remember one of my friend's dads was filming the game with one of those, you know, big like camcorders. And you actually hear him say, oh, he broke his arm. And I, shat I shattered my elbow. I've actually brought a picture to show you this is my elbow. I actually have six screws and a plate in there. I have a big scar. And that was a moment where, you know, I was actually on the sideline trying to go back in the game. I thought maybe if I just like move my arm fast enough, the pain would go away and I could go back in. And then the shock wore off and I realized I need a doctor, right? And I'm so thankful that there was a doctor skilled enough to do this for me so that I could play again. So I could use the gifts that God gave me because I, I love sports and that was a big part of my growing up. And I learned that lesson as a teenager. It's not the healthy you need a doctor, it's the broken, it's the sick. And Jesus invites us to learn that same lesson that I learned as a teenager on a physical level, spiritually, in each one of our hearts. Because as we read in the gospel today, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come to call not the righteous, but people who know they're sinful, who know they're broken, to repentance, to turning their heart back to God. And find a love that leads to a new life. And as we saw so powerfully in the skit, there's so many ways that us human beings become broken, become sick, that we hurt each other, we hurt ourselves, and we hurt this world that we live in, that our hearts become hurting. And we can't fix ourselves. We're not strong enough. No matter how good we look on the outside or how good of a person we become, we all have this problem in our hearts. All of our hearts are hurting and we need a doctor. And the really good news that we find in the story of the Bible is that that's exactly why God sent his son, Jesus Christ. To be the doctor for our souls that we desperately need. To be the one who can heal our broken hearts and our relationships and our lives. It can bring our despair into hope. Who can take our sin and offer forgiveness. Who can give us a second chance and wash us clean. And we also saw that in the gospel as Jesus announced that this was what his church, his family, his community was to be about. To be a community that offered healing. The healing of God to the world. There was also a different vision for what spiritual community was supposed to be. And that vision was embodied by the Pharisees. There's always been different visions for spiritual 
community, but the vision of the spirits, the vision of the Pharisees was directly opposed to the vision and the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of the Pharisees led to a community where no one would ever be vulnerable or honest about what they were struggling with or their sin or, or, or their pain because they would be afraid they'd be rejected or condemned or excluded if people really knew what was going on in your heart. But the vision of Jesus was directly opposite. Jesus offered a safe place. He offered a community where people were invited to be honest and vulnerable and open about their need for God, about their sin, their shortcoming, and to find a healing that came from his love in their life, from the hope that he offered of the forgiveness and a new start. That's the vision that Jesus left for us of his church, and that's why Martin Luther called the church a hospital for sinners. And that's really good news for us to be a part of today. And that's one of the things that we hope for, for you as young people in our church, and for everyone, is to find the church of Jesus Christ to be a safe place where we can discover our need for God and to be honest about that so that we can find the healing that he offers. And that's what the church is. People who have found that they need God and they want to help others find that healing power in their own lives. And I've been so proud of our young people over the last few years of getting to know their stories and hearing them open up and lead the way for our church sometimes in expressing vulnerability and honesty about their need from God. And I wish you could hear all of their stories, all the people who are being confirmed today, all of our teenagers, because they're awesome. And I wish you guys could hear all of their journey. But today we just asked a few of them to share about how they've discovered their need for God. And so we're going to see a video about that right now. So my small group is made up of four girls from um, my school and then, wait, three girls from my school who I've been friends with for a couple of years. And it's been really fun like getting to know them better through confirmation and um, like having people that I know really well at school, like being able to, you know, have like partners for things, and, like knowing that there's someone who um, you can like connect with and, you know, share like memories with whatever. Um, and so Hannah is my confirmation guide. Hannah was able to make confirmation fun for people and making people want to come back because I was kind of worried that, you know, over the years a lot of people wouldn't want to come back, but I think that um, everyone in my confirmation group because of Hannah will keep coming back every week after we get confirmed. So my small group leader is Suzanne and I'm in a group with Michelle, Holly, Hannah, Gabby, Veronica, and Mary, Marin, and we've had so much fun the past few years together. There's been times where we're screwing around or we're super serious, and we all went to DQ last year, I think, and we've, we've gotten all clo really close through it, and we've helped each other in ways that I don't think we all understand. Well, my small group leader was uh, Bobby, and my small group was like a family. Every week that we met, it got better and better throughout the years, and we all got closer and closer, and it was just a great group of boys to be with. Could you explain a little bit more um, how you guys were family? Well, we all felt comfortable talking about, like, because at school we usually talk about, we never talk about religion at school, so being able to talk about it together in a group, in a safe setting, felt really good. Um, I'd say Hannah's really helped me see that, you know, 
perfection is impossible. I'm the kind of person who likes to do great at everything. I like to get all A's. Um, and so whenever I get a bad grade or I'm really like down about something, she helps me see that, you know, those things really aren't important in, you know, my life. The only thing that really matters is like my relationship with God and as long as I keep that as my top priority, all my other problems just seem tiny, you know. I don't have to spend so much time worrying about everything else. It's kind of a tradition in student ministries to have our students share what's called a cardboard testimony where on one side they write a struggle that they've had in their life or are still even struggling with and then on the other side they write down a word that represents how Jesus has helped them out with that other word on the other side. And so Rebecca, have you brought a cardboard testimony to share with us? Today? Yeah, I did. So. Um, what I have on the front was alone because um, during middle school I often felt um, kind of left out from groups um, and it was really hard for me to connect with people because I was really shy and I didn't like to um, really put myself out there to make friends. So on the back I wrote loved because um, through coming to church here um, and the relationships I've made God has made me really feel loved um, by my friends and um, all the other people, adults, and guides that I've had here. So like the other students, you brought along a cardboard testimony with the one side showing something you struggle with, and on the other side, how Jesus has helped you through that struggle. So if you could share with us, what is your cardboard testimony? Yeah, um, I struggle with anxiety. Like, I have major anxiety. School and just homework and stress and stuff. It gets to me real bad, and I let out my anxiety in bad ways that just aren't good for anybody. And it's been real—it's been a real struggle for me, the anxiety. And when it first started, I kind of lost faith a bit. I didn't know where God was. I didn't know where He went or why. But eventually, I was actually able to get help and go through it, and I was able to talk, find him again and be able to talk to him, and he helped me. So could you show us the other side? How has Jesus helped you with that anxiety? He's helped me find peace again. He's helped me find who I am. He's helped me find the people who really do care about me and who want to help me. Eric, I see that you brought along a cardboard testimony and on those testimonies students write something they struggle with on the one side mm -hmm. and then on the flip side they write down how Jesus has helped them with that struggle. So would you share with us what you brought on your testimony? Well, on my cardboard testimony I wrote down stress and stress is a big part of my life because through school, sometimes through family, I got a lot of stress. I got grades, got assignments, I've got, I've got tests, got a lot of things on my plate. So whenever I have these problems, I always look through Jesus and I ask for help because you can't do it alone. You need someone there with you. And so whenever I have problems, I just go to Jesus and I ask him for help and guidance through the stress and just to calm me down. So on the other side, I wrote relief and love. And I've surrendered myself to Jesus and, and know that he's always going to be there for me whenever I need help. 
and that as long as I continue to follow the path and continue to love and worship Jesus, I will be able to ask him for help whenever I need it. That was awesome. Great job, you guys. Man, all of us have a story. Each one of us has a story of pain and struggle and, and burden. And a part of learning to grow in relationship with God is to be honest about what's in our hearts. As you guys were sharing, I was actually thinking about my own story because actually as a teenager, I didn't really care much about God until there was a youth leader who gave me a reason to believe. And it just so happened to be the same time when my arm was in that sling and I broke my elbow and I was laid up in my house for a month and I could just sit there like this. And so this youth leader named Z started coming over to my house. He started asking me questions I'd never thought about before. Like, what's your life going to be about? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you really believe about God? Because my arm was in a sling, I couldn't avoid these questions. And I, I, I kind of had to engage them and start thinking about it. I started thinking about those questions for the first time. And then Z invited me to come to his youth group. And it was there I started hearing about this relationship with Jesus and about this problem that we all had that exists in every person's heart, and the problem was called sin. And I didn't realize I had that problem. To be honest with you, I wasn't really aware of my need for God at that time. I wasn't honest that underneath of the surface of someone who looked like they were pretty successful and good at sports and good at school, I was carrying around tremendous anxiety and insecurity and anger, and that would come out towards my sister and my family at different times. And so I still remember when I heard the good news of Jesus, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die on a cross for my sins and for your sins and the sins of the whole world. And he rose from the dead to live in the heart of any person who would receive that good news and invite him in. I still remember the first honest prayer that I prayed to God. I said, I don't really know what all this means exactly, but I want in. I want you in my life, Jesus. Would you come in and save me? And I know this isn't everybody's experience, but in that moment, I had this like fire come over my whole body. And I found a love I never had before. And I began to love my sister differently and learn how to love my family. And sure, I have learned in this journey that my need for God is way bigger than I, I thought as a 15-year-old. But my life has never been the same because the presence of God and the love of Jesus Christ has been with me. And he wants that for each one of us. Jesus offers each one of us the healing that doesn't come from ourselves. He offers us the healing that comes from his love. And isn't it great that the founder of the first churches was really vulnerable and honest about his need for God? He really led the way for the church. And I want us to look at that passage and read it together. Actually, Danny Householder is really great at getting our community to do this, to read scripture together out loud. And so we're going to put this passage from his letter to the Philippian church on the screen to help us see that none of us have it all together. All of us need God. That's where the journey begins. So let's read that together if you can read the words on the screen. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's good news. We're all on a journey. None of us are perfect. None of us have fully arrived. Jesus came from heaven to earth to secure a place for us, to be with God forever in heaven. And this journey through life is a journey of next steps of faith, of trusting him and trusting his love, of surrendering our needs to him and trusting that we're loved as much as he actually says we are. None of us have it all together, and Jesus says we're not defined by our mistakes, we're not defined by our struggles, we're not defined by our past. But he offers us a relationship with him where we become defined by his love and his grace. And he is also really honest that that journey of following Jesus is not easy. Sometimes it's going to feel like participating in the power of his resurrection, where you feel so close to God and so much joy and so much passion that you're on a mountaintop. And other times you're going to feel low. It's going to feel like you're participating in his sufferings. You're going to feel disappointed and let down and alone and wonder why you keep struggling with the same things. You need to know both of those things are part of relationship with Jesus. And I find it really sad when I've seen young people come to a faith in Jesus and then end up leaving the church when things get difficult or things get hard or they have struggles or they fail. Because those are the moments where we have the greatest opportunity for growth. When we become honest about our failures, about our shortcomings, about our sins— and we become honest with God and others, that's when God's healing power can meet us in sometimes the most remarkable ways. All of our stories are marked by those moments, and I find that a lot of young people discover that part of their relationship with God on mission trips, and that's one of the reasons why I love taking youth to go and serve in other places, because you get outside of your comfort zone, and I still remember at my church back in Virginia, I was taking a mission trip with our high school students, and we were processing the day together after a hard day of serving and sweating in the sun and caring about the needs of other people, and they were just sharing about their highs and lows. And then the conversation turned from what we were doing to what was going on in somebody's heart. And a youth had the courage to be vulnerable and to open up about something they were struggling with. And then the next one started sharing, and then the next one, and people started crying. And then two and a half hours later, everyone had shared. And they had kept this stuff in, feeling like the church maybe wasn't a safe place to share what was really going on in their hearts, and to let others in on their burdens from fear maybe they were the only one, or maybe they would be rejected if someone found out who they really were or what was really going on in their hearts. And we had this incredible moment, and everyone's sitting around kind of like stunned, at the connection they were feeling to one another and wondering what to do. And that is a great moment for a youth leader because on the stage, there just so happened to be a big cross. And so I went and I grabbed that cross and I put it down in the middle of the circle. I said, you guys, this is what the church is. The church is a group of people that know that they are broken, they're hurting, but that they're coming to trust that there's a God who loves us this much that he would lay down his life for you. I had all the teenagers put their hand on the cross and we just began to pray. And then a little bit while later, one of them fell asleep and was snoring. But that's okay. That's a part of Christian community too. It was just one of the most powerful moments of learning to bring their real hearts to God. And that's what Jesus wants for all of us because it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. 
And so as we close, I just want to offer a challenge to our young people and really to our whole church. And here's my challenge. It's to be the church. It's to be a hospital for sinners. To become a person who leads the way in being honest about your need for God. It becomes a safe person for others to share their need for God with you so that you can be a part of the story God's writing to bring his healing power and his love into this world. Because when you think about it, if you guys were planning what you wanted to do next Friday night, how many of you would say, let's go hang out at a hospital? Anybody? Probably not. I mean, when you think about going to a hospital, you don't think, man, they've got like really cool gowns there. I bet there's some good music. I hear they have some really good hospital food, right? And I bet we could just have a great time playing games at the hospital. No, right? Like, you go to a hospital because you need a doctor. Or you go to a hospital because someone you care about needs a doctor. The reality is all of us need a doctor. We all need God. And every person in this world has a hole in their heart that only God can fill. I want to challenge you to become people who care about the needs of others and bringing them to God. The next generation doesn't need a church that just plays games and has fun together. It needs a church that's seeking to trust the very presence and power of God. And having fun together, sometimes singing songs of hope, that's the best medicine that our soul needs. But Jesus has more for you than that. He wants you to be part of the story that he's writing. He wants you to be able to share your own story like you guys have been leading the way for us today. And he wants you to be a part of others finding the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. That just starts with being honest with him. So I want to invite you all to pray with me now. God, I thank you that you've come from heaven to earth to meet us right where we are, to invite us to be honest about our need for you. I thank you for all the students here that are getting ready to confirm their faith and pray that their need for you would just grow more and more in their life. They would find their healing power, your healing power in their life. And God, I pray for anyone here who's, who's hurting and in need of you, God, that you would minister to their heart right where they are. If there's anyone here who's never just been honest with you and said, Lord, I need you, I pray they could just say that to you right now. Lord, I need you. Would you come in and save me? God, teach us to trust that you love us as much as you say you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.